be able to spend the last few days uh, hanging out with the, the Wright family and his uh, brother Wright's wife. There are two girls that are with him. There's one boy not here. Asher, I guess, is not here. But uh, Madison and Brooklyn, of course, they, uh, I mean, sweet as can be, really. I mean, so you're doing something right. You or your wife. <laughs> and, uh, but sweet as can be. And, and, uh, and of course, they enjoy it. They bonded well with, uh, with our girls, and that's just awesome to see. And, and hanging out with them, they're just real people, and I'm thankful for that. There's just, I mean, they live the life that they preach from here, and it's, I mean, that is just an awesome thing, just an honest, real person. You know, and I'm thankful for, for people like that in our movement, people like that in our church that, you know, aren't trying to, to put on a show. But, I mean, just they live the life. They live the life that God intended us to live. And I wonder just right now, could we just, maybe just as a church body, could we just kind of pray that God would open our hearts as Brother Wright will begin to come? Can we pray together, Lord, we love you. God, we're thankful for what we feel. We're thankful, God, for what you're doing in our midst. God, I pray that you'd open our hearts. Allow us to receive your word tonight. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, go ahead and lift up your hands one more time. Come on, lift up your voice, and let's just give them a praise throughout this house. Come on, I know it's a Saturday. We might be a little tired, but let's do a little bit better than that. Let's lift up our voice and just truly magnify him for just a moment. Lord, you're so good to us. Come on, where would I be without the Lord? Lord, I praise you and magnify you. I worship you, Lord. In this last song, did you feel the atmosphere change? Did you feel something sweet settle into the house? I truly believe that if I have the mind of God that Tonight, somebody could walk out of here completely changed. You know, you're looking at a, a young man who at the age of 17 years old was going to be kicked out of church camp because of my attitude and how rough I was. And the district board pulled my pastor in and began to tell them that we've got to dismiss him because of the chaos that he's causing and my pastor began to plead with them and said, you don't know how hard it took me to get get Aaron here. And they agreed to let me stay. And it was that night that Jason Sisko preached a message and the power of God fell on me, called me to preach the gospel and begin to work in my life. And from that moment, I began to turn things around. And within three months, I was on my way to Bible college to respond to the call of God. There is still a power in the Holy Ghost that can fall on somebody. There's an anointing that can rest upon somebody that will bring change. I don't want to be the same person that I was. I want to be changed. I want to be who God's calling me to be. And that anointing I feel here tonight. I feel it tonight, students. Let me just speak a word of faith. I feel like somebody's going to get a hold of God tonight. And what might have just been another, another service of youth weekend, when the power of God hits you today, you're going to realize that you have a destiny, that you have a calling, and the power of God's going to change something in your life. Come on, do you feel the moving of God's Spirit? So I challenge you one more time for 10 seconds. Would you lift your hands? 
Jesus, I thank you. In the book of Genesis, chapter 32, beginning with verse 22, it reads like this, and he arose up that night and he looked, or he took, I'm sorry, I'm seeing double, it looked like look, let me wipe the tears out of my eyes so I can read it properly, and he took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok and he took them and he sent them over the brook and he sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh now was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day break. And he said, I will not let thee go, except you bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. <coughs> Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there in Jacob in verse 30 it says this that Jacob called the name of the place uh, Peniel for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved and they wrestled with him a man into the breaking of day and he said let me go and Jacob said I will not let you go. I want to preach to you tonight with the help of God, the wrestling match of a lifetime. The wrestling match of a lifetime. I'm going to ask you just one more time, slip your Bibles to the, your chairs and lift your hands and just say this. We won't belabor in prayer. Just say, Jesus, here I am. Use me. Whatever it is you need to do, do it tonight. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. The wrestling match of a lifetime in 1996 at the National Wrestling Coaches Association All-Star Classic. The stage was set and the people were on cue to witness a wrestling match of a lifetime. It was dubbed as perhaps the greatest college wrestling match ever when undefeated and number one ranked Kerry Kola of Lock Haven, Pennsylvania stepped onto the mat against number two an undefeated Mark Ironside of Iowa. Every time the commentators spoke of Kerry Collot, they spoke of his powerful presence on the mat. Kerry Collot had not suffered a single loss that entire year, and all of his wins came from first period pins. 
Gary Colott was named the best high school wrestler in the past 20 years by RevWrestling.com, and he had a record of 137 wins and zero losses. I can proudly say that he was a Pennsylvania native. Somebody say sweet action. He won four state titles, and he also placed twice at the prestigious Midlands Championships. In college, Colott was a four-time NCAA All-American and a two-time NCAA champion while wrestling for both Penn State University and Lock Haven, both are which are with only 45 minutes to an hour and 10 minutes of where I live currently. After college, he went on to have great success and was dubbed as perhaps the greatest wrestler of all time without winning an Olympic gold medal for seven short but seven very long minutes. This is who number two ranked Mike Mark Ironside of Iowa found himself against. The match started off quick as expected. Kulak came out of the gate strong and powerful in the first 30 seconds. Uh, he, had, he had scored the first two points against Ironside. Both competitors now watching their every move, uh, trying to counteract and act uh, to get the advantage over their opponent. Determined Ironside, though, wasn't left without an answer as he scored one point uh, from an escape and then another point by the third and the final period Ironside had found himself under a 6-2 to two deficit. Going into the third period it seemed that those who had placed their betting against Ironside as the underdog was right. However let me stop for just a moment and say this that determination and a will to fight goes a very very long Way, amen. Ironside stayed in the game longer than any other opponent had that entire year. Uh, Ironside then become a or began a comeback assault uh, off the start of a following uh, escape, making it six to three in the third in the final period. Uh, his assault continued as he then scored another two-point heel pick takedown, and Kulat escaped, giving him the lead uh, of seven to five uh, in the final. Period. Looking back over the match in an interview, it was at this point that Kulat began to break. It was at this point that Ironside said he could feel the willpower of Kulat break and the momentum began to change as the number one ranked Kerry Kulat began to break and Ironside scored another two point takedown making it seven to seven in the final period. Kulat escaped again making it eight to seven and now with 18 seconds left on the clock uh, the crowds were cheering at deafening levels uh, cool, knowing that he had to make a move and make it now Ironside scored another two point takedown taking the lead in the final 18 seconds uh, the crowds went crazy and for the final 18 seconds the underdog uh, the number two ranked uh, Ironside hung on to secure uh, one of the largest upsets in college uh, wrestling history while looking back over this one wrestling match it was this very match uh, that defined who Ironside was Ironside had to dig deeper than he ever did 
dug. And it was this particular match in interviews years later that he said was the turning point in his wrestling career. I, as a reader of this epic wrestling match 20 years ago, I am amazed at this, how one wrestling match could alter and change someone's career forever and for the better. That just by one wrestling match of a lifetime, Ironside's entire career would now be defined by this one victory. And people from the years to come would look at him differently than they looked at him prior to this epic wrestling match, although most of us cannot relate to uh, a wrestling match in high school or college. Uh, I'm reminded tonight of another wrestling match uh, that no doubt each and every one of us uh, can relate to where an underdog came from behind uh, and broke the deficit to secure a, a win over the years. There have been many, many of wrestling matches that have went the distance and many underdogs uh, who have come from behind uh, to upset the champion, but perhaps to night uh, there has never been such a wrestling match like the one uh, that was recorded as uh, the underdog Jacob uh, begins to lock up and tie arms uh, with God uh, himself in our opening scriptural text we find this man Jacob in a panic as word comes to him that his brother Esau along with 400 men uh, are coming to meet him. The last time this man Jacob had seen his brother Esau was the day that he had deceived his father and stole his blessing. Almost two decades have passed since Jacob had fled from Esau's face and now the news comes that this very brother who he had not only taken his birthright from but had stole his blessing is on his way in just days out. We can capture the panic in Jacob's life in Genesis chapter 32, 11 as we Watch Jacob pray a prayer of desperation. He said, deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. Knowing that he had just a short time before his brother would be looking him right in the eyes, Jacob's crafty nature begins to kick in. And so he divides his family up into two bands, the one wife with her children and the other wife with her children. Uh, and then he begins to send uh, what I would say uh, say gifts uh, to his brother Esau by droves of servants uh, with presents and cattle to, to meet his brother Esau to pacify his anger. That night the Bible says that Jacob sent his family over the Ford Jabbok, but there he was left uh, alone. It's not really known know how long he was there alone during that night, but at some point in time, the Bible says this, that there he began to wrestle with a man until the breaking of day. Looking back now, if you would, over the candidates and analyzing their profile on the home team, in the red you have Jacob, and from the visiting team, in the blue you have 
God as the underdog Jacob's res resume listed him uh, from his birth as a heel grabber and a supplanter Jacob is listed as uh, taking advantage of his brother watching and waiting till he was a sure victim then robbing him of his birthright uh, he deceived his blind father robbing him of what he intended uh, for his older brother Esau outwitting his father Laban in a match uh, of deception uh, and now he wasn't even able to meet uh, his brother face to face uh, before that crafty nature began to kick in uh, and he tried to pacify his brother anger with gifts uh, but then on the other side from the visiting team uh, in the blue uh, you have God what seems to be should have been a two-second match as God literally pins Jacob with his finger. We literally read as this underdog comes from behind uh, in a massive deficit. Uh, and he turns this wrestling match that should have lasted uh, but seconds into a wrestling match uh, of a lifetime. On multiple accounts, uh, it should have seemed uh, that God uh, would have been at a snuff him out with just uh, his finger. Heel grabber, one. Uh, supplanter, two. Uh, thief. Uh, but before the ref could end the match, uh, we see something kicking in in this man Jacob uh, that causes him to hang on just a little bit uh, longer before the ref could end it. Dishonest, one. Uh, master manipulator, two. Uh, selfish. But before the ref could end the match uh, and Jacob would leave something, uh, grab the hold of Jacob. Jacob, uh, and he refused to let go. An attempt to weaken Jacob and this man in his desperation. The Bible says that he stretched forth his hand uh, and he touched uh, the hollow or the, the hip, the joint of Jacob's thigh. Uh, and now Jacob is wrestling uh, with his joint, uh, hip out of joint. Uh, but as I have said before, determination uh, and a will to fight uh, goes a very, very long way. Even with this hip dislocated, uh, that still was not enough to cause uh, this underdog Jacob uh, to stop wrestling. Much like Ironside and Coolot, this match went much longer than expected. Uh, this underdog now has uh, the crowds cheering on uh, their feet, if you were. He lasted longer than anybody else has lasted, uh, and he's pressed his undefeated opponent uh, to the limits uh, fact the Bible says that this match went into the early morning in fact it says that as they wrestled they wrestled to the breaking of day until finally the man said to Jacob let me go because the day breaks and with a determination Jacob replies and says I will not let you go until you bless me he said what is thy name and he said Jacob thy name shall be called no more Jacob but Israel for a prince hast thou power with God uh, and man uh, and hast prevailed. Hang with me for just a moment. Coming out on top uh, with his hands raised as the victor. Jacob uh, was now the champion of this wrestling match uh, of uh, a lifetime from this point on, this wrestling match would define who Jacob was going to be from that moment forward. From this moment on, as Jacob would walk through life, he would walk with a distinction in his walk. Everybody would be able to see that something changed in my father that night. Leaning upon his staff as he would talk to his children, no doubt they would remember the night that his father 
wrestled with the desperation uh, and refused to let go until God did something uh, in his life. <coughs> I, for one, tonight am baffled at this story, at how an underdog such as Jacob could wrestle with God toe-to-toe and prevail what seemed to be a, a match that would only be a few seconds uh, turned out to be the wrestling match of a lifetime for this man, Jacob. And tonight, uh, as I look back over this story, uh, the, the, the lesson that I want to share with you tonight is this, that even though Jacob was guilty on so many accounts, uh, even though Jacob's character was flawed, uh, even though Jacob had made uh, many, many mistakes uh, and his character again was flawed, uh, this man, Jacob, uh, was able to find God's Achilles heel, if you were. This man, Jacob, was able to find a weakness with God, and he was able to hang on until he prevailed. What would cause such a man as Jacob to hang on with an uncurrent canny endurance? What would cause such a man to be able to lock arms with God and refuse to let go until he was blessed? Where did that determination and will to fight come from? Tonight I'll tell you where that determination and will to fight came from. Because, would you help me with this for a second? Would you just hold this here or find a chair that could prop that up? Where did it come from? Where did this determination come from? I'll tell you where it came from. And I tell you where Jacob refused to wrestle and let go. It's because when his brother Esau was coming to meet him, when his brother Esau was on his way uh, and Jacob heard of that news, uh, it reminded him of his character flaws. Uh, it reminded him of his weaknesses. Uh, it reminded him that everything he had gotten in life uh, was because he was a deceiver and a heel grabber. It reminded Jacob uh, of the man that was looking at him uh, in the mirror. Something happened to Jacob that night as his brother came to meet him. Something broke in his spirit that said, I no longer want to be the man that I am, but I've got to be the man that God's called me to be. I don't want to be a heel grabber any longer. I don't want to be a deceiver any longer. I don't want to be a supplanter any longer, but I've got to be who God is calling me to be. And the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is tonight, that we might not be able to re relate to a physical wrestling match but every one of us here tonight can re relate to this wrestling match of a lifetime that Jacob had because every one of us here tonight have character flaws we all have weaknesses we have all fallen short there's not a one of us here tonight that we, when we look at the man in the mirror that we're not reminded of who we are and what we're like and the things that we have done. Every one of us has skeletons in the closet and things that we need to overcome. Every one of us has something that we wrestle with inside because of the man in the mirror. And maybe tonight the lesson I learned from this story is this, that God does in fact have a weakness and that weakness comes from when a man or a woman will lock arms with God and refuse to let go until God does something in their life, until God takes them from the man that they are to the man that God's calling them to be.
is often overlooked about this man Jacob uh, is in spite of his character flaws and weaknesses uh, is that Jacob really did have a heart uh, and a desire to do uh, things in the spirit or to be close to God uh, in the spirit. Uh, it's not really noticed until this particular place in scripture, but Jacob had a love for the things of God. Uh, Jacob desired the things of God, uh, and although his character didn't show that, uh, there was something in him that longed uh, after God. That's why he took the birthright in the first place. Multiple accounts. Multiple, multiple accounts. I have asked God, I said, God, why have you been so gracious to me? Why have you been so merciful to me? My friends of mine have fallen for doing way less. My friends of mine are no longer living for God for less. God, why have you forgiven me so many times? As I'd look in the mirror and I would see Brother Aaron, I would see the man that I am. God took me to the book of Samuel or took me to King David. He said, David was a man after my own heart. David was a man that desired me. And I began to ask God, well, God, what about the multiple times that David had stumbling blocks and fell? And all of a sudden I understood what God was saying to me. Even though David would slip up and commit sin with Bathsheba, even though David would rise up in pride and number the army, every time we see this man David slipping up and falling just after that, we also see this man, David, falling to his knees and saying, God, create in me a clean heart, Lord. Renew within me a right spirit. Don't cast me away from your presence. God, I don't want to be the man that I am. But somehow, God, make me to be the man that you have called me to be. See, what you don't know is you're being preached to by somebody who in the eighth grade went over to his friend's house and was introduced to some very addictive stuff. I was raised in church. I knew the difference from right and wrong. But because a well-placed dart from the adversary hit me in the heart for years upon years, I would begin to struggle even in my young teenage years, even throughout all my teenage years because of one well-placed dart from the adversary. I began to be addicted and I couldn't control myself. And what was hard was the fact uh, that I would go to church on Sunday and the man that I saw in the mirror was close to God. When I heard the music and the preaching, uh, I felt close to God, but Monday would come uh, and Tuesday would come uh, and I would look in the mirror and I would see the man that I was. Wednesday would come and I would hear the word of God uh, and I would feel a drawing to be the man God's called me to be. Uh, but Friday came uh, and I would look in the mirror and see the man that I really, really was. I remember struggling for years, years with an addiction, years, until I got to the place where I said, God, I will never be who you've called me to be unless, uh, unless you can help me with my addiction. God, I don't want to be this man that I am right now. I'm sick of the addictions. I'm sick of going to church on Sunday and feeling close to you. But on Monday and Tuesday, I'm back to the old Aaron. I don't want to be the old Aaron anymore. God, you got to do something with me. And can I tell 
It was that addiction and inconsistency in my life that drove me to a place of prayer and fasting until God did something in my life and I broke that addiction. If you don't know, it's my father, a first-generation Pentecostal. <coughs> At the age of three years old, because his parents were drunks, Gave all the children to an orphanage. At the age of three years old, my dad remembers distinctly his mom handing him to another woman as dad is screaming, crying, and this woman taking him and saying, I will be your mom from now on. In an orphanage, dad would suffer all kinds of physical and mental abuse. It drove him to a place where he sought after drugs and alcohol, and later on in his adult life, he was sentenced two to 20 years for selling crack cocaine. In parole, he had a heart-to-heart -heart with God. He heard about God, never knew who he was or what it was, and he just began to pray, God, if you got a plan for my life, I want that plan. I need that plan. Miraculously, my dad was able to just serve on a little bit of parole time. He went up to Marietta, Ohio, where he met my mom, and six weeks later, not six months, six weeks later, they got married. Dad was filled with the Holy Ghost. Dad was baptized, and they just celebrated last week their 36th anniversary. And I'm thankful for what God did in my, my dad. But as a result of the way he was fathered and the lack of a father, all of my dad's brothers, my uncles, would suffer from extreme anger. Anger is something that is rampant in my family. You go to my dad's side of the family, all of them. Or drunks, all of them are wrapped up in drugs. They have a motorcycle gang. My Uncle Jimmy, he was known for beating people up. As a matter of fact, he would get in fights at the bars, and the cops didn't even want to touch him because he was that mean of a man. This, because of a generational habits my dad has picked up, these were things that my dad would have to overcome. But I had found, is this all right? I had found that just because my dad overcame those tendencies, the brother Aaron would have to overcome them. I used to be a man that was controlled by anger. He wouldn't want to meet me. If you crossed me, we'd go toe-to-toe -to -toe and fight. I was mean-spirited. I was prideful. I was arrogant. If you looked at me wrong, we would go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I would lose my temper. I would get mad even when I was 16 and I met my wife now. She could tell you the stories of where this anger would just get a hold of me. And I would black out, per se, and I would just lose control. And then whenever the anger would subside, I would feel this big. And I regretted it. And I'll tell you this, that I would struggle with this anger for years, six, seven, eight years. This anger would be a massive stumbling block in my life. I would find myself in positions where anger would get the best of me, where I would lose my temper and I would do things that weren't godly and I would act ways that weren't right uh, and I remember the final straw that happened with me was uh, one day I was playing with Cooper my dog and we were playing and the ball landed at my feet and he went down to grab it and I went down to grab it and he jumped up and he has this big knot on his head and that knot hit me right in the mouth and uh, it literally put my teeth through my lip uh, and it, it about broke my teeth. I thought I lost my teeth. I didn't, thank God, but it literally hit me and it snapped me so hard. Uh, I literally, in a moment's time, and I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just trying to be real with somebody that's tired of the man that you are. And all at that sun, that split second in my mind, I saw myself grabbing my dog uh, and 
been throwing them out the window into the traffic. Uh, and all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, Aaron, that right there is what you got to get rid of. I can't use you if you're controlled by your anger. And something broke in me because I didn't want to be that man. I don't want to be that man. And I would find myself in a wrestling match with God. And I would say, God, I'm not going to let go until you change my life. I was so tired. Let's all stand. I was so tired. Sunday morning, I would see the man God was calling me to be. And then Monday, I would see the man. Wednesday would come and I'd feel the power of God. And I would see the man that God was calling me to be. Friday would come and I'd be looking at the man that I am in the mirror and I got so sick of my character flaws I got so sick of my inconsistencies leading me and guiding me. My friend, I promise you, it led me to a night like Jacob had where his brother reminded him of everything that was wrong in his life and his character flaws. And it led me to a place where I dared to step in the mat with God and lock up until God changed something in my life. Tonight I'm reaching deep in the heart of every person here. I'm reaching for those who are struggling with the man that you are and the man that God's calling you to be. I'm reaching for a student who's tired of falling back into the devices, into the traps that pull you from who God is really calling you to be. I'm reaching for a student that says I'm tired I'm tired of the man I am I've got to be the person God's calling me to be I feel tonight that there's a wrestling match here and I dare a student to step into the wrestling match with God and refuse to let go until God does something in your life. Maybe tonight there's a God-ordained wrestling match and God is waiting for somebody to lock arms with Him and refuse to let go until God does something. I'm reaching for somebody with faults I'm reaching for somebody with failures, somebody with inconsistencies, somebody with character flaws that's tired of the battle. You're tired of who you really are. And you want God to do something in your life. Let's get real tonight. Anybody that I know that was used of God had to stand in front of this thing right here. And they had to get real with themselves. They had to stop pulling the bluffs and they start, had to start, stop 
acting as if everything was okay and they had to start looking in the mirror at who they were and getting real. The fact of the matter is, is tonight there's a sweet presence of the Lord. There's a presence of the Lord here that's going to bring change. But are you willing to be honest with yourself right now? Are you willing to gut yourself like a fish and say, you know what, God, I've got to do better. I've got to do better. Come on, students, are you stepping in the ring right now with God? Are you ready to get real with God? Are you ready to get rid of the facades? Are you ready to stop faking it like everything's okay? Are you ready to just 